I do want to say, moms, you're awesome. We're glad that God has blessed us with you because, what, we wouldn't be here without you. Nobody's here without a mama, so moms are awesome. Hey, if you have a copy of the scriptures, if you would pull it out with me, turn to Mark chapter 10. If not, we'll have the scripture up here on the screen. But if you do, Mark chapter 10, we're looking at together the life of Jesus and all the different people he encountered and the circumstances, the uniqueness of those encounters. And it worked out well, quite frankly, that this morning on Mother's Day, we're going to see Jesus encounter children. The irony is this, we're going to see Jesus encounter children in spite of the disciples' best attempt for him not to encounter them. And so, Mark chapter 10 Here's what we see in verse 13. It says, and they were bringing children to him. That's Jesus. So they're bringing children to Jesus so that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. In other words, literally people are bringing children. And and the gospel of Luke even says some babies. They're bringing them to Jesus. And the disciples, like a security team around him, are saying, keep the babies away. They're stopping people from bringing children to Jesus. Why? Don't you you wonder why? Why are they going, get the kids away? Well, the text doesn't say, but all of us who have been around kids know it's about germs, right? (laughs) Because kids are filled with germs. Actually, Jackie and I, when we first moved to Jacksonville, we both taught in a school. And those three years of teaching in school, we were more sick than any other time the rest of our life. Until then, we had our own kids. And then one time, for 32 straight days in our house, we had somebody throw up. Because kids are germy. So, they were protecting Jesus from the germs, right? Well, I don't know about that. Maybe Jesus had noise pollution. Those kids are driving me crazy. Again, the text doesn't say. It does say this, that they were stopping people, attempting to keep people from bringing kids to Jesus. Now, if you have a Bible in front of you, what's Jesus' reaction to that? Verse 14. Yeah, it was a lot like that one right there. What's Jesus' reaction? What's it say? It says, but when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. In other words, your Bible might say he was much displeased or he was grieved. Maybe your Bible says, and he was ticked. No, it probably wouldn't say that. No translation says ticked. But seriously, that's the tenor of the situation. Jesus is upset at the disciples for what they have done in stopping them. And and, and so, in other words, Jesus was going this direction, if you will, and the disciples with kids and the disciples were going a different direction. Now, just pause for a moment because this is a reminder actually for all of us. Sometimes we get on paths that are contrary to the direction Jesus is going. We get headed and we get things that are important to us that Jesus thinks the opposite of. So this is is a moment for the disciples. And this may be a moment for us that we see something almost the opposite that Jesus actually sees it. The disciples saw kids completely differently than Jesus saw kids. And so in this encounter... Whether you have your own children right now, you're single, you're a grandparent, whatever you are, the the point here this morning is going to be this. Do you see kids the way Jesus sees kids, or do you see Jesus see kids, or do you see kids the way the disciples see them? Because they're in opposite directions. The disciples are saying, stop, and Jesus is saying, stop it to the stop. And I think for three reasons. We don't know why they were stopping, but we know why Jesus is indignant. Three reasons. First, if you'll remember earlier in the text, 
Jesus, in response to the disciples' argument of, among themselves of who was the greatest, Jesus, before the twelve, in a house, privately with them, had taken a child and had set before them, and taking that child in his arms, he had said to them, whoever receives one child like this in my name receives who? Me. And whoever receives me does not receive me, but ultimately who? Him who sent me, which is the Father. So, I mean, this was not days earlier that, that Jesus had taken a child in front of the 12 and said, hey, when you receive a child, you receive me. And not just me, you receive the Father. And now they're going, get the kids away. That's why Jesus is indignant. Second reason. In that same encounter, in chapter 9 and verse 42, he had said, whoever calls one of these little ones, while he's still holding that child, who said, when you see this child, you see me? Still holding that child, he says, whoever calls one of these little ones who believe to stumble, it'd be better for him if, with a heavy millstone hung around his neck, he had been cast into the sea. So, better to drown than to keep one child who believes in Jesus from stumbling. And what are the disciples doing? Keep him away. See why Jesus is indignant now? I mean, he had just literally just said these things to them. And they were cross-current with Jesus when it comes to children. So I'm asking you again, where are we? Are we with the disciples or are we with Jesus on this one? The third reason he's indignant is because of what he says in this encounter. Verse 14 of Mark 10, he says, don't stop them. Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to, now notice this, such as these. In other words, he's not saying the kingdom of God belongs to these children and them alone. He says the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. In other words, these children reflect who the kingdom of God belongs to. Verse 15, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child what? Won't get in. Jesus is saying this. Don't miss this. You with me? Jesus says, when you're keeping the kids away, you are robbing people of every age from seeing how it is that whatever age you are, you need to come to me. So you may be 50. Here this, you're 50 here this morning. You need to see a child coming to Jesus because that's a picture for how you need to come at 50. Or 27. Or 67. Whatever age we are, Jesus is indignant at their rebuke because he's gone People need to see how you come to me. And kids paint the picture. How? When you think of kids and what they're like, what is it about kids that make you go, oh, that's how you come to Jesus? Well, there's a number of directions because Jesus doesn't name specifically. But here are the two primary characteristics of kids that I think every person of every age here this morning goes, all right, this is the only way I come. First, the beauty of children in the eyes of God is that they demonstrate the dependence that's required, the dependence that's needed for anyone of any age to enter the kingdom of God. Kids are a portrait, they picture dependence. And babies really picture it, right? Uh, let me ask you a question. Do you remember, seriously, do you remember the first time you held a baby? Can you remember back? 
Remember the first time you held a baby? I remember very specifically the first time I held a baby for this reason. I'm the youngest of four kids, and so therefore my older sister, my two older brothers, all had children before we had children. And they would say to me, you want to hold the baby? And I would go, no. (laughs) For this reason. They had me freaked out that babies couldn't hold their head. And so you had to hold them correctly or their head would fall off. And I was like, I have zero interest in making somebody else's baby, like, head fall off. So, you want to hold the baby? No. I did not hold a baby until Clay, right here in our our firstborn. I did not hold a baby until he was born. And he was born with the biggest head on the planet. And I was especially afraid it was going to fall off. The size it is now is the size it was at day one. Maybe not that big. But when he was born, I was like, and I couldn't really say to, to Jackie, hey, you want to hold the baby? No. <laughs> I, I, my time had come, and I was like, well, if his head falls off, he's mine, and it's my fault. So. <laughs> but that's the, that's the epitome of helplessness. That's the epitome of dependence. Yeah, we know kids can't clean themselves. We know that babies can't feed themselves. Babies can't even hold their head up. And folks, what Jesus is saying is, disciples, when, you, when you're saying, get that baby away from here, you are robbing people of every age of the important picture in front of them that the way Jesus would hold that baby It's the only way that you and I could come and the way he would hold us. You see, when it comes to all of us, whatever age we are, Romans 5 verse 6 says, for while we were still helpless, couldn't hold our head up, while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. The, uh, the Bible says that the gospel offends people. It makes people go, no way, I don't believe that. And one of the greatest offenses of the gospel is that the gospel is a declaration, the good news, the gospel, the good news of Jesus is the declaration that we are helpless. And what else? ungodly. And you know, in our pride, we don't want to admit that. And the, the beauty of children in the eyes of God is it's a reminder to every man, every woman here this morning, that's you before God. Helpless. Can't help yourself. Only Christ can do it. Christ died because I am helpless, because you're helpless. Christ died because I'm ungodly and because you're ungodly. And you cannot come to him until you'll admit that about yourself. And that's why people trip and they go, nope, I won't admit that. Can't come without understanding and admitting that about yourself. The second offense of the gospel is not only that it declares that you and I are helpless and ungodly, it declares that Jesus is, this is the words of Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Jesus. So not only is the gospel a declaration that I am helpless and ungodly, it's a declaration that only Jesus, no other person, no other way, no other teaching, only Jesus can help me in my helplessness. Jesus is not a better way. I don't even want you to hear me this morning say Jesus is the best way or he's the preferred way. Jesus is the the only way for helpless people 
who are ungodly to be restored to relationship with God. So, with that picture of Jesus holding a helpless baby as a picture of how we come, I wonder if you'd be willing to admit that, to say that for yourself. It's a reflection of what it truly means to believe in Jesus. So, I've given you a chance to read it. I'm not going to make you, obviously. I'm going to invite you to declare with me what the Bible says about me and what the Bible says about Jesus. If you want, say it with me. I admit I am helpless and ungodly and believe that only Jesus can bring me back into relationship with God. That's the truth. That's the good news of how helpless people are restored. Second characteristic of children. They not only are the picture of helplessness and dependence, they demonstrate, this is the beauty of children in the eyes of God, they demonstrate, secondly, the hear and believe needed to enter the kingdom of God. They demonstrate the hear and believe. Let me tell you my process. Well, a month ago, when I came to this passage, I was like, oh man, this is going to be Mother's Day. Uh, I read the passage, was thinking through it, and I immediately went to Joni Alexander, who's been our director of children for almost 20 years now here at the chapel, and I sat down with her and I said, all right, here's the passage. You've been working with children for 20 years now. Jesus says, you only come like kids. You've been working with kids what, what comes to your mind first and foremost about kids as it, ref, as it represents how we come? And she said, oh, they hear and believe. And I said, what, what do you mean? She said, I have to spend zero minutes in children's ministry persuading them. I simply tell them and they believe. Now, that's the beauty of children. But boy, you better be careful. That's the vulnerability of children. And that's why the stern warning of Jesus so, for, so strong about those who cause them to stumble. In other words, children hear and believe. So you sure better be telling them the truth. Because, you know, you, you, can, you can have fun with kids. When Clay was really little, I'd simply have a cookie and say, hey, Clay, you want one cookie or two cookies? And what would every kid say? I'll take two. So I'd break it in half, give him two. (laughs) And he was like, awesome, thank you so much. What a generous father. He's learned differently since then. And he'll go, you really broke a cookie in two? Yeah, well, this is the truth. But you see, honestly, that's playing with him. People prey on kids in really nasty, horrible ways because they hear and believe. But that's the beauty if you tell them the truth. And I I realized, huh, you know, it was 10 years old, a Sunday afternoon, my parents said, get in the car, we're going to Hershey Park. And it wasn't for the rides or for the chocolate. It was to hear a man share the gospel. And he told me the truth. 10 years old, he talked about the future. He talked about a judgment. He said, there's a real place called hell and a real place called heaven. And those who are guilty of their sin will suffer the eternal condemnation in hell. But those who trust in Jesus will be forgiven and saved. And as a 10-year-old, I heard and believed. I did not sit there and go, well, I really wonder if there's a place called hell. Maybe that's just imaginary. Maybe that's just allegorical. Maybe Jesus is speaking in figurative language. He told me the truth, and I believed. Okay, folks. That's how you and I need to be. Some of us have gotten crotchety 
and critical and doubtful and we come to the scriptures with a suspicious, unbelieving heart. And we need to come back like kids and go, all your promises are, what do we sing? Yes and amen. See, that, that's the response of a kid. God, you said it. Yes and amen. I agree. I believe it. You said it. I believe it. Sometimes we get too smart. Or we think, I should say that. We, we think we're too smart for our own good. We get too smart to simply hear and believe what God says. Because I always used to really love what the Apostle John said in 1 John 5 about the assurance of our salvation. But I had missed what it said in verse 10. So let me show you 1 John 5.10. It says, The one who does not believe God has made him a liar. Whoa. That feels like strong stuff. Doesn't it feel different to say, well, I don't believe and God's a liar? There'd be a lot of folks who would say, I don't believe, but who would want to stop short of saying God's a liar. But what John makes so clear here is this. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar for this reason. Because he has not, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. In other words, God has stated the truth about his son. And when I say, oh, I don't believe, oh, so he's a liar? Well, Well, if you don't believe, he's lying. So what's his testimony concerning his son? Very simple. The testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. How? And that life, this life is where? Say it with me. In his son. That's where life is. He who has the son has life because that's where life is. He who does not have the son doesn't have life because life's in the son. Jesus is declared to be life, and that's the testimony of God. You only, don't miss, so simple what, what Jesus said here. You only get to come as ones who hear and believe. You don't believe, so God's lying. Well, I didn't say that. Well, you did. Because either he is telling the truth or he's telling a lie. And all of us need to have that kid in us come back and go, yes, I believe. I admit that I'm helpless and ungodly. But Jesus has taken the penalty for my sin. I trust in you, Jesus. And receive. I don't earn it. I receive eternal life. That's the beauty of children in the eyes of God. The rest of the text talks about the blessing of children by the hand of God. Because part of the the greatness of this text is the disciples are saying, stop. And Jesus says, stop it. Stop stopping them. And and so the children get through the disciple filter. (laughs) And when they get through, Jesus blesses them. But notice this, which children, this is not a complicated question, but I I want us to see the obvious. Which children did Jesus bless? And some of you, I I think I hear you say all of them. All of them what? All of them that were brought to him. Don't miss that the children, that's so obvious, but absolutely essential for those of us in this room over in North, for us adults to capture. They were brought to, why were they brought to Jesus? Because <laughs> they could not come themselves. 
I do not want us to miss, folks. Adults, listen, please. The reality of the helplessness of children places upon us a responsibility to be the ones who say, I'll get them to Jesus. I'll get them to a place where Jesus' blessing would be upon them. I'll get them to a place where the touch of Jesus would be upon them. If you're new, let me make sure I'm clear here. If you've been around for a long time, you know that that this is true. We don't go to heaven because we come to church. Correct? We We only get life in his son. That's what we just read. Life is not found in church. Life is found in his son. But the beauty of coming at least to Christian Family Chapel is you can know every time you come to the chapel, you're going to get Jesus. You're going to get the Word of God. And so you're going to hear about the touch, the work of Jesus. And so, I want to lift up in our thinking with increased priority. This is not a passing comment. This is a deep burden of this message right now. That we would lift up in our thinking the deep responsibility of bringing children to Jesus. Some of you in here, I want to ask you to raise your hand. Some of you in here know you got to meet Jesus at a church or at a camp or at a retreat or in a group that your parents didn't take you. It was another person. And so if you're thinking right now this morning, well, I don't have kids, so this message doesn't apply to me, or my kids are grown. It does. Some of you have grandkids. Some of you have nieces, nephews. Some of you have neighbors who have kids that they're never going to take them to church where they might experience Jesus. But are you with me? You could. One of the greatest privileges for us when Clayton and Will, our two oldest, were just entering middle school, is we lived in a community that had a jillion kids. And they loved what was offered here on Wednesday night. And so whenever it was available, I would go home on Wednesday night with the church van, a 15-passenger van, and be able to bring our kids and then a bunch of other neighborhood kids who wanted to come but would never get here because their parents weren't going to bring them. You may have that same opportunity and be missing it because I am so encouraged by this passage that children not only paint a great picture of what it means to come to Jesus, but it's the desire of Jesus to bless children who are brought to him. And you can make a difference. Now, did you notice in verse 13 what specifically they wanted in bringing the children to Jesus? What were they looking for? Verse 13, what's it say? What were they looking for? They brought him to Jesus for what purpose? Yeah. And they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. See, I've said this very plainly, but let me develop. That those who brought the children, see, they had to bring them. But those who did bring them believed that the touch of Jesus was actually good. That's what they wanted. They were zealous for the touch of Jesus upon their baby's life or their their child's life or their neighbor's child's life or their grandkids' life. They were zealous for that. They believed that the touch of Jesus was good. What do you believe? 
What do you believe about the touch of Jesus? You think it's good? Good like, that's, that's good, or good like nothing better. I want to, without hesitation, stand before you today and say, I believe with all my heart that the touch, there's nothing better than the touch of Jesus in a child's life. Nothing better. There's no other way they're going to find eternal life, and there's no other place they're going to find abundant life. Life is found in and only in Jesus. I believe above all in the touch of Jesus. And therefore, I believe above all in the value of the priority of adults doing for kids what they cannot do for themselves, and that is getting them there. And, and being there for them when they're brought. One of, the, one of the most powerful things we do in this community is offer power-up clubs. Holly, who was our host this morning, she's a power-up club host, is to offer a power-up club in a front yard. Even if, because some of you are going, oh, my kids are grown and gone, we, we don't do that anymore. That's not the question. If you live in a retirement home, power-up clubs probably aren't for you. You need a different power-up club. But if the kids are gone from your house and you still have kids running all over the place in your neighborhood, then you have an opportunity to do for kids what these folks were doing. Think bigger than just your children. Think, nothing is better than the touch of Jesus. I believe that. And I think lots of you believe it as well. But sometimes our feet don't match our mouths. Meaning, we would say, nothing beats the touch of Jesus. But then our feet take us lots of different directions half the Sundays a month. Did you catch that one? I, I just snuck up on some of you. We say, oh yeah, nothing beats the touch of Jesus. And then other things fill our lives. And our feet, listen, our feet are truer indicators of our heart than our mouth. Because it's easy to say, but it's hard. It's hard. It's hard when kids are young. It's hard when there's other kids. And it's hard when you're, and you go, ah. Our second son, Will, is expecting their third little girl. They're going to have three kids under three. And I said to Jackie, who does that? (laughs) And she said, "Uh, we did. (laughs) What? We did? So you put bad, mar- no, no, I was like, no, that wasn't really true. It was. And I honor my wife, our kid's mother, is one who every Sunday morning got six kids ready by herself because I had to go to church early. It's hard. And sometimes other things just crowd it out. And we say stuff like, that's ah, been a hard week. I'm going to take this Sunday off. But nobody says, it's been a great Sunday. I'm going to take this week off. I used, as a youth pastor, I used to say, is, is school optional in your family? <laughs> no way. Oh, so you think school's more important than Jesus? No. Well, I think your feet tell me you do. Now you're going, whoa, you're like confrontational this morning. I believe with all my heart that nothing is greater than the touch of Jesus in a child's heart. And I think it needs to flow through in our priorities. And our, provi- our priorities get revealed by our feet much more than our mouths. That's in the text. See, it's so obvious 
But the blessing of Jesus was upon those who brought them believing the touch of Jesus was worth the work. Yeah, it's hard. Yes, it's tiring. Yes, it's demanding. Yes, it's exhausting. And yes, it is worth, 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 worth it. Nothing beats the touch of Jesus. But you have the disciples rebuking them who believed it was good, who wanted it, and Jesus indignant with them. And so I just want to acknowledge this, that those who were bothered by the children bothered Jesus. So if that shoe fits, I'll let you work that one out with Jesus. But we got to make sure we're, on the, we're walking the same direction. That we're not bothered by stuff that Jesus is going, no, 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 make it happen. Every year when we have power-up clubs here, we have like 160 youth stay here all week, live here. And they do stupid stuff. They, they, they wrestle around, they put holes in the walls. And they stain stuff, and, and they stink. They do, they stink. And every, every year we get people who are going, look, look at the mess they're making. And I have to take guys around and I go, hey, you see a mess, see ministry. Don't see them, see ministry. That's just a ministry hole. That hole is worth a kid. It is. We patch it. That's all we do. It's worth it. Some things are worth it. Do you agree? Jesus is saying the noise, the expense, the mess the hard of bringing kids to Jesus is worth it. And being here, ready for them. Man, I applaud with all my heart those of you who are here Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, Thursday nights for our divorce care. Ones who say, if you'll bring them, we'll be here to tell them truth so that they can hear and believe. I hate it when we have to twist arms for our children's ministry. We're not in step with Jesus when we have to twist arms to get people to say, I'll be here. I'll be here to give truth to kids who come because they're here in belief. And this is opportunity, folks. Such a great, sweet, awesome opportunity to be a part so let's not be bothered. Let's rejoice in all the germs and the mess and the noise and the hassle. Right on cue, Piper. Way to go. <laughs> it's all worth it. Here's what I love, verse 16. Can you picture this? Stop it, stop it. No, no, come on, let him through. Let me, let me hold that child. Jesus taking a child, holding it. Blessing that child. I gotta believe, we don't have the video, but I gotta believe more than one mom, more than one father stood there with a tear with a lot of joy in their heart. As Jesus rebuked the disciples and said, let that child through here, and he took that little boy, that little girl in his arms, and he blessed them. You see, it's so obvious that sometimes we've just run right by it, but Christian family chapel can you hear with me this morning from the scriptures the heart of God expressed in the life of Jesus? That Jesus, it's not just a little old song. Jesus loves children. And we got to get on board with that. Even more than we already are. That we would rejoice in it. Because Jesus is glad to bless children brought to him. See, as adults, let's believe that. And therefore, do it.
We need 20 more host homes. Why wouldn't you do a host home? We always are in need of folks who would say, man, if kids show up, I'll be there, I'll help. I'll teach. I'll serve in the nursery. And some go, it's just babies. Jesus never said, it's just babies. He said, let those babies through. That's the beauty. This is a beauty of celebrating Old Mother's Day. That Jesus loves children. And adults, are we with him? Can you make a difference for more than your kids? Yes or no? Can you? Can you? Will you? Hope you will. I hope we will. I hope we'll see our streets with the eyes of Jesus. I hope we'll see our nursery with the eyes of Jesus. I hope we'll see our front yards and our SUVs with all those seats in it, with the eyes of Jesus. Because he wants to bless, he's glad to bless the children who will be be brought by the adults who will believe there's no greater thing than the touch of Jesus in a child's life. Let's prioritize it, folks. Let's rearrange the priorities of our lives to make sure this is first place. Not sports, not all the extra stuff, not the things that we love to do, but this gets first place. One of the privileges this morning is to ask Jesus' blessing on some nine different babies this morning. So we got four girls in this hour. So if if you got a little girl that you cannot believe I talked so long while you were holding them, Come on up, moms and dads, come on up with your little girl, and we're going to have an a opportunity to have a prayer of dedication for them. As they come up, let me just remind you, I want it to be really, really clear, that when we pray for these children... The prayer will not save them. Bringing them to church, having them dedicated, will not save them, okay? They will only be saved as they respond in faith to the work of Jesus on their behalf. But we pray for them because we believe Jesus wants to touch these little lives. And these parents are here as an acknowledgement that these four little girls belong to the Lord. And they're on loan to these parents. They have primary responsibility for shaping their hearts. And we do it not in a private setting, but in in a public setting because we're a family, Christian family chapel. And so we do this as a, as a reminder that we are pledging to be here for these little girls in the nursery, on Wednesday nights, Sunday morning, Sunday school, when they grow up and become wacky teenagers and out of their mind, that we're still going to love them through all those hormones, bringing them to Jesus. All right? That's why we do it as a body together. So, I think you have in your bulletin the children being dedicated this hour. This is the Carpenters, the Del Roccos, the Gillises, and the Ruts. This is the very first time in 29 years I get to do a baby dedication of a grand baby. So, You know I am prone to tears in these deals, so get yourself ready. I'm trying to steal myself. All right. So I'm going to pray for the parents as a whole, and then I'm going to pray for each individual child, and I'm going to pray for us, okay? 
I don't need to give you permission, most of you generally to feel free to pray with your eyes open. But pray, don't just watch, pray. Join me. Father, first I wanna say thank you for these parents, four sets moms and dads who stand here, reflection of a love for you, and stand here as a reflection of their belief that the touch of Jesus is the greatest touch that their little girl could ever have. And so I pray for them as parents that they would have wisdom that comes from heaven and the decisions they would make, that they would have courage to lead in their home, that you would strengthen them by your Holy Spirit, that they might have supernatural energy for long days and short nights. And God, I pray that their marriages would be one in the midst of raising families, that you would protect them from the evil one. And now, Lord, I want to pray specifically for Anna. I pray, Lord Jesus, that she would know your love, that the joy of the Lord would be her strength, that you would open our eyes to the gospel, that she would be born again and walk in newness of life. I pray that Anna would be hungry for your word. Your word would be sweet to her. It would guide her. She would walk in truth. The beauty of Christ would be displayed in Anna's life. Thank you for creating her exactly the way you wanted to create her. Thank you for the parents that you've given her. I pray that your blessing would be upon her, that she would know you as Savior. And Lord, I pray for Liliana. Lord Jesus, would you open her heart to the gospel? Would you cause her to be born again by faith that she would walk in newness of life? And thank you that you have promised that you will never leave nor forsake your children. That you will always be with them and give them all that they need for life and for godliness. I pray that Liliana would know your blessing. Walk in your truth. Humbly, graciously, kindly. The Holy Spirit would be upon her. In the name of Jesus we pray. Lord Jesus, for Olivia, I pray, Lord, that Olivia would know you, that you would open her eyes to the glorious truth of the gospel, that she might walk in newness of life. I pray that she would be one who hears and believes, and that, Lord, as she watches a bunch of older siblings watches her mom and dad, she might learn what it means to walk with you. That she would experience your love and therefore be an instrument of your love. That people would experience Jesus through Olivia. That your hand would be upon her. That you would bless her. Peace would rule her heart. And joy would fill her mouth. She would be an ambassador for Jesus. Pray your blessing on Olivia in Jesus' name. I pray for Piper. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I ask that you would bless this little girl, that she would fix her eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of her faith, that she would be born again, and that she would walk in newness of life, that she would love you, and she would know the greatness of your grace. And pray that your mercy would be upon her. You'd protect her from the evil one. She would walk in truth. She would experience love. And she would grow into the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. <laughs> yes. I ask your blessing on Piper in Jesus' name. And I pray for this congregation. 
that, Lord, we would be a people who walk with you, who have your heart for children, who would rejoice in the noise and the mess, would seize the opportunity to speak truth that they might hear and believe, that we would welcome children, that we would welcome and reach out to children who aren't even ours, but you've placed into our sphere. I pray that the children in this community would come to know you because of this church in this community. I pray, Lord, that you would raise up in this body men and women who would counsel these girls, who would teach these girls, who would love these girls, who would listen to them. I pray your hand of blessing upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this together. You hold the world. You hold the world in your hands. God of mercy and life. Knew me before I was born. Call me by name. And how could I ever respond but to fall and adore? I live to know you more, Lord. I. That's a slew of kids, isn't it? (laughs) That's right. Uh, This this is a reflection. Uh, Yes. In fact, why don't we all say, hi, mom, right now. Hey, mom. Hey, there we go. And dad, don't forget dad. There we go. And dad. This is, this is a beautiful picture of Christian Family Chapel. And the reflection of the opportunity that God has given to us. It's all right. I'm not bothered by the noise. I am. I'm just really, really blessed that we have such an opportunity to be a part of the touch of Jesus in their lives. And so, first of all, moms and dads, way to go for bringing them here, not taking Mother's Day off. And for teachers who were here to teach them, would you express your applause to them, your thankfulness for them? You know, I just want to say, it's, it's upside down when soccer coaches get a lot more thanks and gift cards than Sunday school teachers. That's upside down. Seriously, that's upside down. That's not true to what we genuinely believe. I don't believe. So thank you, men and women, for being here to teach because kids hear and believe. We want God's blessing on them. 
And so I'm going to invite you to stand and I'm going to lead us in prayer. I'm not going to pray for each one by name. <laughs> Aren't you glad? Let's stand over north if you would stand as well. I'm going to pray for us. And then at the end, I'm going to invite you to pray with me a little prayer that will be on the side screen. But just bow your head with me if you would now. Kids, if you don't mind, maybe you can bow your heads as well. Close your eyes. Let's talk to Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for, thank you for correcting us this morning and reminding us that there is no greater gift than the gift of the touch of your blessing upon children. And I want to say thank you for all the work, all the noise, all the money, all the miles that these kids will represent. I believe your touch upon their lives will be worth it. So Lord, uh, I want to ask that as I prayed for each one of these children, these babies behind me, I pray that, that you would graciously open these children's eyes to your saving grace. You did it for me when I was age 10. Pray that you would do it for these children according to your goodness, your mercy. Maybe today, in the next year, Lord, would you open their eyes that they would be born again, that they might find life in your son. And Lord, I pray then that these children would learn to love the Bible, to love the truth, that the word of God would be sweet to them, that it would be their guide. It would be the light to their path. And Lord, that they would learn to abide in you, to not just trust you for heaven, but to trust you for every day of their life, to trust you in the face of temptation, to trust you for the strength to love others. I pray that their lives would be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, and their lives would be used by you, that they would be, even as kids, instruments in and through which you would work. I pray that these kids would lead other kids to Jesus. And Lord, I ask that you would protect them from the evil one. We live in a world full of lies. Would you protect them from the lies that they would walk in truth? Lord, you can capture their attention. I pray that you would do so. Pray that your touch would be upon them. If any one of these children, Lord, is in need of healing, I pray that you would heal them. If they are in need of comfort, would you comfort them? Lord Jesus, we ask you to touch them. And I invite you to now look at the screens in front of you and would you pray together? Let's all pray together out loud this. Lord Jesus, touch their eyes that they may know you. Touch their minds that they may trust you. Touch their hearts that they may yield to your will. Lord Jesus, we ask your touch of blessing upon our children. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, they're going to walk out now, and you're going to pick them up where you would normally pick them up. Please don't try to rush the stage and claim them now. Pick them up where you would normally pick them up. Thanks, kids. Let's declare this together as the kids walk out with Matt. We are the sons, we are the daughters of God. Sons, we are the daughters of God.
Thank you so much for coming. I hope moms felt special today. Um, if we can pray for you in any way, we have men and women who are always available, and it would be their privilege to pray for you if you're in the South Auditorium as you go out to your right around the corner, in the North Auditorium, just straight out the back. Um, if there's any way we can pray for you, we'd love to do that. I hope you guys have a great and blessed day. One more, th- one more thing. Joni asked me to remind you. She has put together a great blessing book. Uh, a book of scriptures and prayers of blessing that you would pray on your children, pray on your grandchildren, nieces, whatever. So they're available, Joni, they're available out at the children's sign-in area. So if you would want to grab one of those and use that for a special prayer time with your kids, that'd be great. Uh, The Lord took me at word for a mess right here. So there we go. Thanks for being here. God bless.